We're diving into the Buffalo Bills pre-draft visitors and taking a stroll down memory lane and reflecting on who the Bills picked the last time they were scheduled to pick in the same spots that they are this year today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, or if you're joining us on the YouTube channel, your first watch every day. Today's episode is brought to you by BlueNile.com. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com, and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off 500 Use code locked on at checkout. So we are getting closer and closer to the 2022 NFL draft. And tomorrow, Thursday, the I think that's the 21st, is the last day that teams can host prospects for a pre-draft visit. And you are allowed 30 pre-draft visitors to come to your facility and meet with them. And the Bills have met with 16 players that we know of. Now, they could have met with more, but there's only been 16 that have been reported. And so today on the podcast, I want to look at those 16 players, have a little conversation about each one of them, and talk about where they may be targets for the Bills in the draft and just talk about them as players and how they would fit. And this obviously will give us some clues into what the Bills are ultimately going to do next week when they're on the clock. And so segment one will be the off, the defensive players that they've met with. Segment two will be the offensive players. And then we are going to close out the podcast by doing something really fun. I'm going to go back and look at each pick that the Bills made the last time they held the pick that they tip, that they do for this year's draft. So they pick 25, 57, 89, 130, 168, 185, 203, and 231. I want to go back and look at who they picked the last time they picked in those exact slots, and that's going to be really fun. We'll have a fun stroll down memory lane to close out the podcast. So of the 16 players that the Bills have met with, six of them are defensive players. Let's talk about them. Real quick, I'll give you the list, then we'll break them down. Andrew Booth, cornerback Clemson. Martin Emerson, cornerback Mississippi State. Lewis Seen, safety Georgia. Nick Cross, safety Maryland. Brandon Smith, linebacker Penn State. And Chad Muma, linebacker from Wyoming. So you guys know that I'm really high on Andrew Booth. I think he'd be a slam dunk pick at number 25. He's a versatile corner that can play man coverage, press coverage, zone coverage. He's an unbelievable tackler. He's super physical. He's got great ball skills. He's a phenomenal athlete. And over the last year and a half as a starter for the Clemson defense, 
he has been locked down. I think he's a phenomenal prospect. He's a dream pick for me at 25. Now, the reason we're talking about Andrew Booth being available at pick 25 is because he does have some medical things going on right now where he had, had a, a surgery for, I, I believe, a, a, um, a sports hernia. And, and everybody responds differently from those surgeries. It's the same thing Colby Listenby had. And if you guys remember Colby Listenby, he was a speedy receiver out of TCU that never played for the Bills. And the Bills took him on day three, I, I guess, 10 or 15 years ago. So they're probably wanting to get an advanced look at those medicals and bring him in to meet with the team doctors and really understand the full breadth of that situation. But if the medical team signs off on Andrew Booth and he's there at 25, turn in the card. He's such a joy to watch on tape. Just, just watch any game that he's played in and he does at least one thing that leaves your jaw on the floor, whether it's getting off a tackle and making a physical play against the run, making a play on the ball. You could just tell this guy doesn't want to give anybody an inch. Really, really good football player. Would love him at 25 if the medicals check out. The Bills met with Martin Emerson, cornerback from Mississippi State. I think he's more of a third or a fourth round target as a zone corner through and through. Long, scrappy, tackles, stays leveraged in coverage. He's just not an athlete, right? That's going to be the concern here. So this is very much the typical scrappy zone corner with length that the Bills have went after in the past. He fits the prototype. I think he can be a serviceable starter in his own defense, but I don't think he offers anything new. I don't think he gives you anything different than what you had in Levi Wallace. So starting caliber mid-round prospect doesn't give you dynamic athletic ability. Lewis Seen, safety from Georgia. I think he's a really good football player. There are some teams that I think would make a good first-round destination for him. I think he's definitely a top 50 player in this class. And so for the Bills, he would either be a trade-back option or ideally 57. Maybe they'd pick him at 25. I don't think it's crazy to think that Lewis Seen is worth the 25th pick in the draft. Now, we can debate the need. He's a safety. He'd be a Jordan Poyer replacement through and through. If the Bills draft Lewis Seen, you can be assured that Jordan Poyer is going to be moved on from after the season. Physical, aggressive, downhill player. He can fit the run from deep alignments. Super aggressive. Really good player. If I felt like the Bills had to get a safety and that they couldn't keep Jordan Poyer, Lewis Seen would be a phenomenal player to add to this defense. Nick Cross, safety from Maryland. Oh, by the way, Lewis Seen, great athlete, by the way. Same thing with Nick Cross, safety out of Maryland. Really good player, versatile can play free, he can play down in the box, he can play in the slot, super good athlete, physical, aggressive trigger, good ball skills, really good ball skills. He's kind of an over-aggressive player where I think he's got to 
mature a little bit with how he processes, but I think he'd be a really good second or third round pick for any team. He's a, he's a good football player that I think has a, a nice ceiling to develop into as a quality starter. They brought in Brandon Smith, a linebacker from Penn State. Brandon Smith is a phenomenal physical talent. He's got all the size and length and athleticism that you could ever want in a linebacker. He just has very uneven tape. His ability to apply those physical gifts is hit or miss on tape. And he's definitely not a player that showcases his best abilities in the box. So if you want a guy that can stack blocks and take on contact and play downhill, Brandon Smith is going to leave something to be desired. If you want a rangy player that gives you some coverage upside because of the length and the athleticism, if you want a guy that can blitz and shoot gaps, Brandon Smith can be that for you. But you're going to be disappointed when you marry the physical skill with the tape because they don't match up. And he's a guy that in 2020, I was higher on him as more of an outside linebacker. They brought him more into the middle of the defense this past year at Penn State, and I thought he struggled. thought his tape was very, very uneven. So I, I'm probably describing a player that many of you perceive Tremaine Edmonds to be. And I think that's actually a pretty fair comparison. But I don't think that Brandon Smith has that type of ceiling in the NFL, and I think Tremaine Edmonds has proven his ability to run this defense. So if that was kind of a one-for-one swap in uh, 2023, I'd be pretty underwhelmed. I think of Brandon Smith as kind of a, an early day three prospect. He will probably get overdrafted because of his physical traits, but the football component of, of applying those traits will leave something to be desired. They also brought in Chad Muma, linebacker from Wyoming. I think he's a stud football player. I think he's my third linebacker in this class. Would, would make a great second-round pick for the Bills. I think he's a, a really good processor that plays through contact, that tackles well, and is smart in coverage. I think he's a stud. I think he's a perfect A.J. Klein replacement, has upside to play any of the linebacker spots, and should be a plus special teams player. Good player. The thing with Chad Muma is you wish he was a little longer, and sometimes that will show up when he's trying to tackle outside of his frame, but it's a minor gripe. I think he's going to be a high-quality starter in the NFL for a long time. Whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mop. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Mark Mother's Day with something enduring, classic diamond stud earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, birthstone pendants, and so much more over at BlueNile.com. Are you celebrating the special woman in your life? BlueNile.com, you can easily navigate thousands of fine jewelry options at every price point. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off 500 This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. 
Use code locked on. That's code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. All right, let's uh, work through these offensive players that the Bills have brought in for a pre draft visit. They brought in three running backs James Cook from Georgia, Brees Hall from Iowa State and Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, one wide receiver, John Mechie III from Alabama, two tight ends, James Mitchell from Virginia Tech, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina, oh yeah, and Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M, and then three offensive linemen, Sean Ryan out of UCLA, Dylan Parham out of Memphis, and Nicholas Petit-Friere from Ohio State. So let's talk about these players, where they might be targets, and, and how they kind of fit. We'll start with the running backs, Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Isaiah Spiller, running back, Texas A&M. You know, he's my number one running back in this class. I think he's the best combination of vision and contact balance. Good in pass protection, has baseline receiving skill, just a very savvy ability to press the line of scrimmage, manipulate the second level, run to daylight, and he's tough to tackle. I think he's an absolute stud. I wouldn't pick him at 25, but I'd love him at 57. They also brought in James Cook, running back from Georgia. This is the best pass-catching back in this class. He's a good athlete that really thrives as a route runner. He's got good hands, and he's got good ball skills. You can see him win down the field. You can play him in the slot. He is a pass-catching specialist through and through. And he's got the speed to test the perimeter as a runner. Good inside-outside runner. Now, he's not... He doesn't have the type of body type that is going to project well to running between the tackles a ton. He's kind of skinny and narrow build, build, especially kind of in his lower half. There's not a lot of thickness there. But as a niche back on day two, you know, kind of that third round range, I think you can get a lot of value out of James Cook, who is the brother of Dalvin Cook. Brees Hall, running back from Iowa State, has a lot of pass catching ability, great combination of size and athleticism really creative in space. So if you want that home run threat that you can get the ball into space, ask him to create and, and make big plays, Brees Hall can do that. Now, where I get a little underwhelmed with Brees Hall is that I just don't feel like he has good first-level vision or contact balance. This isn't a player that I think does a good job of pressing the line of scrimmage and widening gaps and manipulating the second level. He's got some some issues there. He doesn't have a very natural feel for doing that. And he's got a lot of light boxes that he feasted on at Iowa State, right? We're talking about the Big 12 clear air production. And so I, I wonder about how much of this translates to the next level, but he's a really intriguing player in terms of pass catching ability, size, and explosiveness. I just wish the first level vision and the contact balance were better traits for him. Moving on to wide receiver, John Mechie the third out of Alabama. Talked about him a few times on the podcast. Great route runner. Can win vertically down the field. He's good after the catch. He just doesn't have the most consistency at the catch point. I don't think he has natural hands, and I'm not overly impressed with his ball skills. But the whole get open part of being a receiver and winning after the catch part is really good. The challenge is playing through contact, catching the football in traffic, and being consistent with making plays in the football. 
I think with John Mechie, he's going to be one of those players that you just kind of have to live with some of the variance. You know, he's going to give you a lot of plays, but there's going to be some plays that he's not going to make, and that's going to frustrate you. Now, they met with three tight ends. These are all interesting players. Uh, one very different than the other two. We'll start with James Mitchell, tight end from Virginia Tech. He's a player that I compare to Charles Clay, not necessarily from a career arc, but a stylistic comparison in terms of body type and how they win. I think that's a good comp where James Mitchell is a guy that can line up in multiple spots and really give you pass catching ability. Pretty decent after the catch is a true move piece that intrigues me a lot at tight end. Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. He's my number one tight end in this class. I'm a big fan. He's a big play guy, super good after the catch, a true mismatch player that I think can stress the seam, wins as a route runner, and, and just is a, a very explosive type player that I really like at tight end. I think that he's probably a third-round target, maybe late second round, uh, but uh, certainly an intriguing player for me that, you know, the Bills have three tight ends on the roster and O.J. Howard, Dawson Knox, and Tommy Sweeney. None of them are signed beyond this season. And so we got to be a little honest here about the possibility of the Bills using a fairly high pick on a tight end, and that way they have a cost-control player for the next four seasons, which they don't have right now at tight end. So they might want to get a little bit cheaper and a little bit younger at tight end with a cost-control player. James Mitchell, I think, is a, a day three player, fourth, fifth round. Uh, the challenge there is he's a, a guy that was injured this past season. He didn't finish the year. And so that's kind of a trend with a lot of these players that they brought in, whether it's uh, Andrew Booth, John Mechie's coming off of an ACL tear, James Mitchell. They're kind of taking a look at some of these guys that were banged up. Uh, then there's Jalen Weidermeyer, tight end from Texas A&M. I am very underwhelmed with him. He's a big tight end, like 250 pounds, 6'5". But man, he doesn't block like a, a guy that that's big and He's not a very good route runner. He's a guy with heavy, heavy feet that I don't think has the separation quickness to get open in the NFL. Now, he's good in contested situations. You know, I think he can box out guys. You could throw the football to him. He'll catch it and get tackled. But I just don't see a lot of dynamic ability as a route runner or just receiving ability in general. I think he's he, he translates poorly to the next level. And for a guy that is as big as he is, you just wish he was a better blocker, but he's he's just not that. So... To me, he's a, a late day three type player, um, but you know maybe the Bills like him more than I do. They met with three offensive linemen. Sean Ryan's the first one we'll talk about out of UCLA. He was a college left tackle. Doesn't have the, the length to play tackle in the NFL, but I like him as a guard, uh, a powerful dude. He's got good hands, pretty decent athlete. I think he's a potential starter, second, third round pick type player. Dylan Parham, I've raved about this guy 100 times on this podcast out of Memphis. I was really excited to see that he was one of the players of the Bills we're meeting with, and um, I, I think he profiles best as a guard, but he gives you position flexibility. He's played right tackle. He played some center. He played center at the Senior Bowl. I think he's best as a right guard, has a lot of range, powerful. My comp for him is Shaq Mason. I think he's a slam dunk pick in, in the second round if the Bills were to go with an offensive lineman. And again, like I've said, Roger Saffold, probably a one-year thing. I think the Bills' offensive line is set in stone. Dawkins, your guards are Saffold and, and Bates. Morse is your center, Brown's your right tackle. I think that is set in stone. I'd be surprised if it wasn't that. But beyond this year, you have a situation here where Roger Saffold's not probably going to play past this year. And so you might want to start thinking about his replacement. Dylan Parham would be a very natural transition. I think he's going to be a quality starter in the NFL. 
And then Nicholas Petit-Friere out of Ohio State has played right and left tackle for the Buckeyes. Um, had a good season this past year for them at, at left tackle. I think he can be a swing in the NFL. He might have some ability to play guard. And so maybe they're looking for some versatility and a guy that has developmental starter appeal, which I think you get in Nicholas Petit-Friere. We talk about Bilt Bars all the time, the world's best-tasting protein bars, but have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, then you're missing out on one of Bilt Bars' best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They are a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate because all Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and they're healthy for you. Most Bilt Bars, they contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have a ton of great flavors, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut, and new flavors are coming out all the time. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. And at Built Bar, it's all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. I got a deal for you. Go to Built.com. Use our promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so I've been looking forward to sharing this information with you. This is um, this is the last time the Bills picked in the slots that they're scheduled to pick in the draft. What happened? Now, part of me, I'm a little nervous about doing this because a little spoiler here, there's not a whole lot of success with the players that the Bills picked the last time they were in these spots. And so I feel like this is going to give everyone who is for trading up or is kind of warming up to the idea of trading up, you guys are going to be all in after I tell you about these selections because there has not been a lot of success the last time the Bills picked 25, 57, 89, 130, 168, 185, 203, and 231. So let's do it. Let's walk through or walk down memory lane and, and uncover what happened the last time the Bills made picks in these slots. So pick 25, that's the Bills' first-round pick. This is going to be very uneventful. The Bills have never made a selection with the 25th pick in the draft. So there's nothing that we can point to. Now, the good news is they have picked at all the other spots, so we will have something to talk to, but talk about, but not at 25. They've never picked there. At 57, the last time the Bills held the 57th pick in the NFL draft was in 1985. They picked Frank Reich quarterback, Maryland, and that was a good pick. Now, Frank Reich was never known for his tenure as a starting quarterback in the NFL, but we all know how valuable he was as a backup quarterback, and he had a long career as a backup quarterback, and now he's doing a great job as a coach, uh, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, played with the Bills from 1985 through 1994, nine seasons, went four and four as the Bills starter in the regular season. And of course, he led the comeback win over the Houston Oilers. The Bills were down 38 to 3 and came back and won it. So, big time comeback win, uh, the largest deficit over ever overcome in, in the history of the NFL. Now, one other Frank Reich fun fact that everybody should know is that at one point he held the record for leading the largest comeback in college football history back in 1984, he he led Maryland to a come-from-behind win when they were down 42-9 to to the Miami Hurricanes, and that record held 
until 2006. Uh, I think Michigan State and Northwestern uh, topped the deficit that he came back from. So Frank Reich, great head coach, great backup quarterback, and some big-time comebacks on his resume. Now, I won't do this for every pick, but I thought it was notable that the Bills also picked 57 in 1973. So in 85, they picked Frank Reich. In 1973, they picked Joe Ferguson, quarterback out of Arkansas, who was the Bills starter for a long time. In fact, no quarterback in the history of the team has started more games than Joe Ferguson. Now, his his rookie season was 1973, and all he did was hand the ball off to O.J. Simpson, and he rushed for 2,000 yards, first time that was ever done in the history of the NFL. But you know, Joe Ferguson went on and became more and more productive. I think there was at least one season where he led the NFL in passing yards. And you know, we're not going to remember him as this all-time great quarterback. But for that era of Bills football from like 1973 until Jim Kelly got there, I mean, he was the guy that bridged the gap. And it was a long bridge. And the team was kind of, you know, they went through a lot of different things with coaching and, and executives and disagreements on the direction of the franchise, all that type of stuff. But Joe Ferguson was a, a warrior on the field, um, known for his toughness. I think he'd be a better quarterback today than he was back then. He, he was kind of ahead of his time with his dual threat ability and his toughness. Um, but a, a player that I think we should have a lot of respect for as Bills fans for what he was able to get done in some challenging situations. And then, you know, he, he overcame uh, cancer on two different occasions. So uh, a really tough dude on and off the field and a player that as I've researched a lot, which I have obviously writing the book, uh, Buffalo uh, Go Bills, which you can order right now at buffalobillsbook.com. You can pre-order it. Um, I've gained a lot of respect for Joe Ferguson and, and what he meant to this franchise. At pick 89, the last time the Bills held that pick was in 2000. They selected Corey Moore, a linebacker from Virginia Tech. He lasted just one season in Buffalo. He played in nine games with four starts, collected 15 tackles, one sack, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery. Was released after one season, signed by the Dolphins, played in one game for the Dolphins, and that's it. Just a two-year career for Corey Moore. In uh, pick 130 in 1994, that was the last time the Bills held pick 130, they drafted Sean Crocker, a defensive back out of North Carolina. He didn't make the roster, and he never played in an NFL game. The last time the Bills picked 168 was in 1986. They selected Bob Williams, a tight end from Penn State. And he also never played in an NFL game. So that really didn't work out. The last time they picked 185 was in 1997. They selected Marcus Spriggs, an offensive lineman from Houston. He was a reserve offensive lineman with the Bills uh, from 1997 through 2000. He started seven games total, five in the year 2000. Then he went to Miami for two seasons, spent one in Green Bay, and had a seven-year career as a backup offensive lineman as a six-round pick. I think that's a pretty decent career for what you should expect for a, an offensive lineman drafted uh, pick 185. Uh, pick 203, the last time that happened, last year. The Bills picked Marquez Stevenson, wide receiver out of Houston. And so you guys know exactly how that's went so far. Hopefully he could take a step this year and maybe command a bit of a role on the offense, maybe have some chances to win down the field. Maybe he's grown as a return guy. And so we'll be glued into his development. But back-to-back uh, -back years, the Bills hold pick 203. And the last pick that the Bills have is 231. The last time they picked there was 1980. They picked 
defensive back Kent Davis out of Southeast Missouri State. Not running back Kenneth Davis, defensive back Kent Davis. Kent Davis never played in the NFL. So you have you have some some very underwhelming selections. Three guys that never played in the NFL after the Bills drafted them at 130, 168, 231. You have a quarterback that you drafted in the second round that was never a starter. Your third round guy, Corey Moore, played one season for you. So hopefully Brandon Bean does a better job than the uh the his uh previous GMs did because uh those picks didn't really come to fruition the way they would have hoped for. But Brandon Bean certainly a great resume drafting for the Buffalo Bills. And I'm anxious to see how it all unfolds in just over a week. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. My understanding is that we're going to hear from Brandon Bean on Wednesday for his pre-draft press conference. And so if that is the case, the Thursday show will be my reactions to what Brandon Bean says and really picking apart the information that he shares during his press conference. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.